FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Right now, that time, 816, you're tuned to WGNS again on this Friday morning, today, the 28th of April. And joining us this morning in studio, we have state representatives Charlie Baum and also Mike Sparks and Tim Rudd. And this morning, we'll be talking about this most recent legislative session, which uh, I believe, what, that came to a close what day? Oh, man. Last Friday. Friday, yeah. Last Friday. About a week. The last yeah. Friday, okay. And apparently a special session coming up by the governor, but he has not told us when yet. So June what, or July, probably. What, what is going on with this special session? Well, he wants to address school safety, gun safety, mental illness. Uh, so we'll, I don't know what his proposal is yet till we actually get the letter of notice. You know, I, I think this most recent legislative session has created more news stories really worldwide. We've seen news stories about tennessee i mean everything from of course the shooting in downtown nashville which i think led to more concern about school safety and then everything happening with uh you know not allowing for those who want to have a a transgender surgery procedure done if they're on ten care i mean there's just been more happening plus in addition to that you had two representatives who uh got involved in kind of a protest that took place well the um two of the three are without a doubt marxist revolutionaries or they're activists one used to be a paid activist that was arrested 14 times for assault and trespassing and and disturbing the peace and yet he's still there and um uh what's a shame about all this is we were forced to do that to the three put them on trial but what's really a shame uh which charlie can tell us about is that that diverted attention away from a record budget and all the other things that we did good across the state and education roads and other things that charlie can go over because this is really an historic budget that we passed and if it wasn't for all the protests and the um the school shooting um um this all that charlie's about to talk about in the budget would have i think you'd agree would have come to light and would be praising but it's kind of got lost in minutiae you know i only saw a few stories about the overall budget just you know like three four five stories at the most and usually the story about the budget each year is big news but this year everything else kind of you know overshadowed it well there was other things we were wanting to do there was other pieces of legislation that got delayed till next year because the senate and house were wanting to get out of there um, they always kind of rush at the end anyway, but they were really rushing this time. Some good bills got killed. A lot got delayed. Uh, there were some budget items that uh, the delegation was fighting for for the county that did that, but just got put on hold, and so we got to get out of here. So a lot of stuff just didn't happen. Plus, there at the end, a lot of the money that we were negotiating with um, for uh, for both the counties, uh, fast-growing counties and other things, there at the end with the leadership, it got basically swept away when the governor and the leadership had to come up with another $200 million for school safety uh, all over the state. And that money had to come from somewhere, and it came from money we were wanting to spend on other items. Now, this money for school safety, is this reoccurring funds that will go on till next year, year after well, I'll that? I'll let Charlie discuss that. Uh, uh, most of it is reoccurring. Some of it's one time. Uh, but he can talk about that. It was all part of the uh, the budget and 
you're knowledgeable about that. Plus, we can discuss that later. Yes, Tommy's on a limited time. He's got to get to got to get to work. Thank, thank you, Tim. Yes, we did pass a, a very important and impressive budget. A lot of work went into it. Uh, it prioritizes uh, with funding a lot of things that are important to the state. The overall budget is $56.2 billion. It's the same amount as last year's budget, but it includes more state dollars and fewer federal dollars. That's occurring as COVID funding at the federal level begins to taper off we're replacing those federal dollars with state dollars. But it uh, does include funding for a number of our, pr our priorities. One of them is $3.3 billion more dollars in, uh, in funding for transportation. This is for roads and bridges. We're spending this money in order to catch up with projects that have uh, not been funded in transportation the last couple of years. We have seen that over time our revenue for transportation has gone down and costs have gone up. Costs for transportation projects have gone up with inflation. We all have experienced the effects of inflation the last couple of years. Revenue has been impacted in two ways. Number one, electric vehicles don't pay the gas tax. And second, our gas tax is a flat tax at 26 cents per gallon. So that doesn't go up with inflation. It's not a percentage tax, it's just a flat amount. So over time, our revenues have fallen further behind costs. So we're putting $3.3 billion into transportation funding. Um, we are investing uh, record amounts uh, in education. Another big priority is putting $1 billion more uh, in for the construction and maintenance of our TCAT centers. We're going to be building four new TCAT centers, and that's important because people move to Tennessee, employers move to Tennessee, and they need a, a skilled, qualified workforce to fill those jobs in order to make sure we're providing the workforce they need. We're going to build uh, four new TCAT centers across the state and expand others so that our workforce will be adequately uh, qualified. Our budget's a conservative budget. It includes no new debt. It includes several major tax in, uh, decreases. One is a uh, three-month sales tax holiday on food that runs in August, September, and October of this year. We're also doing things to reduce the business taxes and ENF taxes, the excise and franchise taxes that businesses pay. The way we're doing this is businesses won't have to begin paying the state business tax until they have revenue of $100,000 a year. Any uh, revenue below that will be exempt from the business tax. And the exemption amount for ENF taxes are, uh, is going to go up to $50,000 a year. Just to give you some perspective on what that's worth to small businesses, the excise tax in the state of Tennessee is 6.5% of, uh, of profit. And so if the first 50000 is excludable from that tax, then that will save small businesses 3000 two hundred and fifty dollars um, a year. Tim mentioned school safety. This is a big concern in our state and our state is providing hundred and forty million new recurring dollars to fund an SRO in every public school. Now many of our listeners may be aware that schools in Rutherford County already have SROs. Our county commission was wise many, many years ago to uh, hire those individuals to keep our kids safe. So the state will get a reimbursement for this amount. This will be new money for the state. I'm sorry, new money for Rutherford County coming from the state since we already have SROs. Our share of this $140 million will be new money 
for the county. Now, uh, I'm curious, Charlie, I don't mean to interrupt, but with that new money coming in to Rutherford County for, I guess, the sheriff's office to fund SROs in local schools, will that mean that the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office does not have to spend the money they have been spending on SROs, and now they can use state dollars? Uh, it, it depends on how you look at it. Either the state funding will pick up and replace the county funding, or you might look on it as uh, the county funding will be reimbursed by the state. Our or schools, or, or they could expand. Officers. We already have two SROs in every high school and one SRO in every other county school, elementary and, and middle schools. And so we're already staffed with SROs. So this funding here will re, will could be a reimbursement for the county if the county decides not to expand. So this is, in a sense, new revenue for Rutherford County. And then in addition to that, uh, there are a number of state grants for school safety that are going to be available for public schools but also for for uh, private schools as well and the state is also providing funding to hire a homeland security per, uh, guard or personnel for each uh, school district and so Ruther- uh, rutherford county will be benefiting from that as well so so what is it what will that look like having somebody from homeland security within rutherford county what will they do they will help coordinate safety efforts so we've got uh, we will have sros in, in all of our schools all of our public schools the personnel from department of homeland security will help coordinate so that those sros and their uh relationships with the sheriff's department can be as effective as possible in promoting school safety so this is going to be a big change in rutherford county as far as law enforcement goes within the schools and it sounds like it's going to bring all the law enforcement i don't know together in a better way i think so and it's going to have a tremendous impact in those counties and school districts that did not already have sros now rutherford county was already uh was already advanced in its uh use of sros and so the impact in rutherford county uh, will be substantial but not as large as in some counties that uh, prior to this legislation didn't have sros or uh, individuals working to help coordinate from the department of homeland security at all so what other information do you have on the budget as it just recently passed and is in place? Let me mention a couple more items. In health care, through TenCare for our most needy families, we are permanently expanding one year of postpartum health care coverage. It had been 60 days. It's going up to a year, a uh, year of TenCare benefits for uh, our most needy individuals. And then I also should add that we're adding $250 million to our rainy day fund. It will move our state rainy day fund up to an amount that's equal to $2.05 billion. We're also adding $300 million to our TCRS fund so that our future uh, liabilities are, are met in terms of funding. Uh, retirement for public uh, employees. That's very different than in other states who have large future unfunded liabilities for their public employees. And it's also very different than the Social Security system at the federal level, which has trillions of dollars in future unfunded liability. Here in the state of Tennessee, our TCRS public uh, pension plan is essentially 100% funded. This $300 million we're adding to that will ensure that it stays at that level. And so I, I think all of these things are good for our state. They also provide additional resources for our county. Let me highlight uh, some that we have already mentioned. Uh, funding for SROs will benefit Rutherford County. 
Money for transportation will benefit Rutherford County. In education, the state is also going to be providing 57 million new recurring dollars for K through 12 education here in Rutherford County. This is being provided through a new funding formula that we passed last year called TISA. The formula was passed last year. The funding goes into effect this year. But if you add up 57 million new dollars for K through 12 education from the state, recurring dollars. Um, seven or eight uh, million dollars in additional funding for transportation going specifically to Rutherford County, a host of grants and funding from the state for SROs. The county should be receiving uh, its uh, the really the largest increase in overall funding from the state that I can think of since 2010. And I go back to 2010 because that's when I was first elected to the Rutherford County Commission. I can't think of another fiscal year in which this all on top of the billion for tisha last year for this year yes the the tisa legislation last year provided a uh, a billion additional dollars for education across the state and rutherford county's cut of that is 57 million that's recurring dollars and i should add that this tisa funding also added about nine million more per year in recurring dollars for the Murfreesboro school system. So uh, you add $57 million to $9 million and, uh, and you get an even larger increase in dollars, state dollars for education in Rutherford County, although a portion of that goes to the, the city school system. Now you mentioned uh, uh, about transportation, but also did you mention about, uh, was it 10... No, $21 million for summer summer schools, summer camps. We are, ex we are funding and expanding our summer camps. The funding is continuing this year uh, from prior years where we started summer camps in order to help our students get caught up from the effects of COVID when they were out of school. We're expanding our summer, uh, summer camps to benefit uh, students after their first and second grade years. Originally, the summer camps had been for uh, uh, had well, had been targeted for individuals as they move from the third to the fourth grade, and we're going to be uh, targeting students in uh, grades K through 12 with our literacy efforts as well. And I think what 7.6 million for tutoring for those who are falling behind. Yes, the summer camps are one piece of our literary, literacy initiatives. Another piece is tutoring. That's not necessarily tutoring during the summer. That's tutoring during the next academic year. If a student mm -hmm. is not reading on grade level, uh, one option in order to avoid being retained is to attend summer school. A second option is to agree to receive tutoring. Well, the tutoring costs money because this is one-on-one -on -one individualized attention, and the state is paying for those efforts. That would occur during the school year. Sounds good. That's a, a lot of information for sure. With the rainy day fund for the state of Tennessee, where do they invest that money? Because you're talking about $2 billion. Is it invested in, in some type of... Uh, I, I don't know, a fund or is it in a bond? How do they keep that? It's invested by the treasurer. Our treasurer is David Lillard. He's the same individual that invests contributions that have been made to our TCRS uh, pension plan, Tennessee Consolidated Retirement Plan. And he's done a fantastic job over the years, uh, not only at managing return on investment, but managing risk. And the result is that Tennessee ends up being one of the best fiscally managed states in the country. And I've got some statistics to prove it. Let me offer you this. Number one, Tennessee's bond ratings are AAA, 
And that's something most states can't claim. In fact, the federal government can't even claim that. And uh, the second thing I'd mention is U.S. News and World Report ranks states on a number of different dimensions. One of about six or seven of these dimensions is fiscal stability. And Tennessee has been ranked number one uh, in two of the last three years. And in the the, the third year of these three years, Tennessee was ranked number three in the nation in fiscal stability. This is the result of not only our treasurer, David Lillard, and his investments, but the work that uh, members of the Tennessee State House and the Tennessee State Senate have put into crafting a reasonable, responsible, forward-looking budget with the governor and his staff. Again, Representative Charlie Baum, and once more, that budget for the state that did pass $56.2 billion, and that is for 2023 going into 2024. And what day does that officially get underway, that, that new budget? When does it change? I believe it's uh, the fiscal year is July 1 through June 30th. That's why most of the bills go in effect July 1 we passed this year because that's the beginning of the new fiscal year. And if I, I think it's correct, I believe, I believe it is, correct me if not, the reason why most bills that are passed go into effect July 1 is because we can't change the budget for this current year that ends July 1. So bills that go in effect immediately usually don't cost money. Correct. But if the, if the bill of legislation is passed this year that costs money, it has to go in effect next year because it can't affect this year's budget. That's right. If a bill is heard to be going into effect immediately upon the governor's signature, it doesn't have a fiscal impact. Again, with us this morning, we have State Representatives Charlie Baum, Representative Mike Sparks, and Representative Tim Rudd. And if you have any questions for us, you can text those in, 615-893-1450. we got to take a short break, but we will be right back to answer your questions and to cover all the topics involved with this year's legislative session that just wrapped up. Time right now, 834. Rising interest rates are making the news, but what if you need a new car to get to work? At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't, and we could help you get a break from your interest rate when purchasing anything that rolls or floats. This includes newer used autos, boats, RVs, motorcycles, and more. But hurry, this limited time offer ends soon. You can learn more or apply online at heritagesouth.org. Terms and conditions apply. Insured by NCUA. I can't wait for what's next. Even with higher stroke risk due to atrial fibrillation and a regular heartbeat not caused by a heart valve problem. Eliquis, the Pixaban tablets, reduces stroke risk. It's the number one cardiologist prescribed blood thinner. Don't stop taking prescription Eliquis without talking to your doctor as this may increase your risk of stroke. Eliquis can cause serious and in rare cases fatal bleeding. Don't take Eliquis if you have an artificial heart valve, abnormal bleeding, or have antiphospholipid syndrome. While taking, you may bruise more easily or take longer for bleeding to stop. A spinal injection while on Eliquis increases risk of blood clots, which may cause paralysis, the inability to move. Get medical help right away for unexpected bleeding or unusual bruising, or if you have tingling, numbness, or muscle weakness. It may increase your bleeding risk if you take medicines such as aspirin products, NSAIDs, SSRIs, SNRIs, and blood thinners. Tell your doctor about all planned medical or dental procedures. Learn more at eloquist.com or call 1-855-ELOQUIST. 
The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.36, you're listening to WGNS this morning. And this morning in studio, we have local state representatives who represent the Rutherford County area. And we'll take your questions at 615-893-1450. You can text us any question you may have. And the first question talks about Mayor Joe Carr, the mayor of Rutherford County. And he says that Rutherford County requested for approval to implement a program to allow the county to charge new home impact fees, as other counties have, in order to help with population growth for schools. And the question goes on to say, why did they vote against Mayor Carr's proposal? And now, yet again, we see the existing homeowners who have very large properties without the tax, or rather with tax increases, But the question uh, focuses on why did they not allow Mayor Carr to uh, move forward with the county of Rutherford having new home impact fees? Well, I can address that, um, uh, Mr. Chairman, I can address that why I voted no in committee. Uh, Number one, it was a very poorly written piece of legislation. Um, It uh, it was unprecedented being open-ended. Uh, no limits on it originally. Then they passed a second resolution requesting 5000 but that was into session and committees were already shut down, so we couldn't address that one. Um, all of this was done other than the resolution passed by the commission. All of this, this legislation was written without the input or without meeting with the relatives and home builders that it affects to get their opinions. It was uh, written without meeting with any of us in the seven-member delegation to see if we would be okay with it or could support it or push it. They then had a representative from another county carry it that affected Rutherford. And like I said, the legislation was very poorly written. It was very poorly implemented and promoted. Uh, Too many people were bypassed. What should have been done is what we're doing now. Uh, The interested parties have uh, been contacted, uh, leaders on the county commission, realtors, builders, developers, and we're going to, over the summer, going to get all them together with the delegation and see if we can sit around a table and come up with solutions and come up with compromises that uh, the majority of people can agree with and see if we can address something the next session. Now, even if uh, we had passed the, uh, the five, say, the $5,000 impact fee, uh, it would have very minimal impact on the budget. They have, a, uh, I believe, a $64 million deficit. Uh, this would have had a net, I believe, uh, a net um, positive of about ten million five hundred thirty-two, because the current impact fee or adequate facilities tax generates money. So when you deduct that from what they're already bringing in, um, it would still leave them with about fifty million in the hole, which the impact fee would not have addressed. So they'd still have to raise taxes. I think what's going on here is you have. Uh, you have some local leaders that uh, have not been able to manage the budget and, and cut spending, and they realize that they're behind. They haven't built schools for three years. They've completed schools but not built. You know, Bob P. said something. Uh, Commissioner Bob P. said something very interesting on the county commission uh, special steering. I believe it was special steering or special commission meeting. He said that uh, he's been on here for over 20 years, and he said on average – the county commission has spent has built one to one and a half schools a year up to the last three years and they built none now what begs to differ is all the money that they would have spent to build schools each year what did they do with all that money of the last three years 
since they didn't apply it into schools. And to defend the commission, the school board did not ask them to build any schools either the last three years. But uh, that money was spent to expand government. And I'm a, I'm a true fiscal and social conservative. I don't believe in wasting money. I don't vote for any tax unless it's an absolute necessity, unless ever their option has been exhausted. Uh, the only tax that I uh, am aware of that I voted for uh, is to tax electric and hybrid vehicles this year to help maintain the roads, because right now roads are fully funded by the gas tax, so I felt the need that they pay their share. Um, other than that, I vote. I either vote against all tax increases because I don't believe in expanding government. I believe in cutting government. You know, I had an, indivi an individual stand up at a meeting recently who was supportive of the um, the um, the uh, impact fee and said that we needed to provide leadership and generate new revenue, raise taxes for the county. And it doesn't take leadership and courage to raise taxes because as, as being demonstrated now, you can always blame other people for your mistakes and your inability to do your job. Uh, what, what really takes courage is to look someone in the face and say, I'm going to have to cut your benefits or I'm going to have to lay you off. And that's something that has not been done at the county level in a long, long time. And I really am a limited government. I believe in less regulations. Now, if the, and I can go over more of this later, give me an example. The, uh, the new impact fee tax proposal of 5000 a new home would generate about $19,500,000 in a good year. We're in a recession right now. So are, are you saying that Rutherford County proposed to have a $5,000 impact fee for each new home? Their most recent, uh, well, let me give you a very brief history to answer that question. We started out, the realtors and developers in the 90s agreed to $750 Per, per home then. And that went all then, the way up to the 2000s, like 2003. The 2000s, and they upped it, doubled it to 1500 a home. And then a year and a half ago, the commission came to the delegation and asked to switch that to an adequate facilities tax, which is still an impact fee, but it's a price, a dollar per square foot. And a year, and it's a four year period where you can up it and increase it. And then a year and a half into the agreement, they wanted to change it back to an impact fee. And their most recent proposal is $5,000. Now, the one I voted against had no limits to it. They didn't have a limit. It could have been 10000 30000 50000 which would have devastated the economy. Um, so um, that, that's kind of where we're at on that. And the, the, the new adequate facilities tax generated about $1.9 million in additional income over the previous impact fee. So the new one would have jumped, basically jumped from about $1,600, uh, $1,700 a square foot if you transferred that to an impact fee to 5000 which would have generated, again, if it didn't affect the industry and our economy was roaring, about $19,500,000. But of that, of that um, almost about $8 million is already being generated through the current, so it really would only have a net benefit to the county of about ten million five hundred thirty-two thousand, based on their numbers, and those numbers constantly change with each meeting, uh, and new revenue for the county. And again, they have a sixty-four million dollar deficit, so the change would have generated about ten million five hundred thousand in new revenue uh, over the existing revenue they already got coming in. So that and that's in a good economy. We don't have a good economy, and the home building industry is really suffering right now. Um, so they're still facing like a fifty to fifty-three million dollar deficit, 
So for them to say the only reason they're going to have to raise taxes is because we wouldn't give them an impact fee is a total untruth, misinformation, and it's trying to divert attention away that they won't cut spending. You know, a dollar per square foot sounds logical. Would that have been just the heated space, or would they include the garage, or if you had a uh, detached garage as well that was fully closed in, would that square footage be included as well if they were to go back to something like that? Well, Chairman of uh, chairman of Steering Committee, uh, Craig Harris, I believe that was his proposal. It was much more fair because right now, whether you build a 1,200-square-foot home or a 5,000-square-foot home, you buy a $250,000 home or a $22 million home, they all pay the same impact fee. So his idea was the larger homes would pay more, smaller homes would pay less, and it would generate more revenue. He was correct. It generated $2 million approximately in new rev- additional revenue. But that doesn't meet the needs of their growing budget that they have. And uh, so now and they have to wait a certain period of time before they can go up on that, that square footage price by, by the rules. Uh, so they wanted to switch back to a new impact fee with more money. Now, like I said, the old impact fee was 1500 The new one would have been 5000 or higher because there's no limit to it. And uh, they also say that they just want the same power as all the other counties. Well, the, most of the other counties do not have the ability to raise their impact fees. They have to come back to the legislature. Now, um, Dixon County and uh, Wilson and Williamson counties have been quoted that they have the power to raise it at any amount they want without legislative approval. Uh, give Williamson County as an example of these three counties. They already had that power before the County Powers of Relief Act was created. So they were grandfathered in with that ability. And so, but new counties are very, very, very rarely ever granted that ability. And that's because we want to make sure that one industry or one tax source is not is not punished unfairly or uh, goes up so much that it could hurt the economy. An example of that is uh, Cheatham County. They created a $5,000, I believe, impact impact fee a few years ago and it devastated the home building industry and virtually put a stop and it really hurt the economy. Wilson County is another example which keeps being mentioned. They had a three thousand dollar impact fee on new homes. They then went up to five thousand and it severely hurt the home building industry's ability to build affordable homes. So now their revenues actually dropped from what they were projecting. So now they're actually saying, we need to make that up. We're going to tax the bigger homes more and charge 7000 a lot, which, it either, which would virtually eliminate affordable housing for the poor and the middle class. They'd have to go out further. So we have to be careful how we balance this and make sure that any fee or tax is, is fair and it's not overburdening one group. And the impact fee itself is very repressive. It's, it's, it's really hidden, the meaning of it. And people need to understand they think, well, we're just going to tax these rich builders and developers. That's not quite true. You're taxing locals as well. Because if you or an I buy a new home here in a county where we grew up, we have to pay the impact fee. If a senior citizen sells their home to downsize and get ready for retirement, and they buy a new condo or a new home, they have to pay an impact fee. And this is but, only on new properties. Yeah, and then new people moving here from California and Illinois and Michigan and New York that rent homes, and we have thousands of rental homes now that out-of-state companies have bought, and if you rent apartments and put your children in school, they don't pay any impact fee. So it's a really unfair hidden tax on locals. It's not balanced. That's why I think Craig Harris switched to the uh, 
to the adequate facilities tax, at least it was a more fair tax on square footage rather than each individual home. And in neighboring Wilson County, where they said, we're going to charge $7,000 of an impact fee to the larger homes, what do they consider larger? Is it 3,000 square feet and above? Because if it is, that would totally kill... I would say the economy locally well, in building houses. The, the argument in, in Wilson, they're still at five, but they're, they've been arguing to raise it to seven, but they've got a lot of kickback both from developers, builders, and from the public. What has happened when they raised it from three to five, uh, with the exception of uh, developers who bought land for a, a, a very inexpensive amount, like along 840 or 231, you'll see some affordable homes being built. Most of the affordable homes were severely impacted um, by the $5,000 fee. So those cheaper homes started, fewer of them were built, but more of the wealthy homes, because Mount Juliet's a very wealthy area, a lot richer than, than uh, Murfreesboro. It's more like Williamson County than it is Rutherford County because of the lake and all that. But they build larger homes up there. So the commission's argument is, well, since they're not building smaller homes now and we don't get that revenue, we can raise it to seven and the bigger homes can can pick up the, the cost, which to me that's that sounds like liberal Democrats, you know, like it's time for the rich to pay their fair share when, of course, businesses and the rich do usually pay their fair share. And again, we're talking about the proposed idea of having a new development fee here in Rutherford County, and that did not pass at the state level. So now Rutherford County will have to think of something new, rewrite their idea, and I guess come back the next year, right? Well, I think, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do what should have been done by the mayor on the front end, is meet with everybody and see if you can work out an agreement. Plus, you're dealing with all these realtors and builders and developers. They're business people. They may have ideas how the county can save money and implement and present new ideas at the table that the county leaders haven't thought of. So it's good to get people around the table and see us uh, so if they can hatch out ideas. So that's what we're going to be doing this summer. And if we can work out something, I've said all along, and I've got ideas that, that people can present. I am against taxes, so probably any impact fee or anything to come up with i probably won't be in support of but the big deal is if the majority of the legislative body is for it and the realtors developers and commissioners and county leaders are for it i can always be a very very quiet no but i rarely abandon my principles on on any given subject i'm a rock solid conservative i don't believe in government expansion i don't believe in unnecessary taxes and i believe every other option should be exhausted first and I don't feel those options have, have been exhausted. Um, our caucus chairman at the House, Jeremy Faison, recently sent us a letter. And he's quoted in here about our state legislature, which I want to read, which really applies here, too. It said, uh, the headwinds we have been dealt in Nashville should not impact our state or uh, should not impact our state of mind when it comes to keeping the values of our constituents front and center. Tennesseans know the entire woke left has been trying to pressure us to fold and attempting to bully us enough to back down from our convictions and our truths. And uh, he also said, my message to you is simple. We will not bow down. We will not be intimidated into submitting to the mob. Conservative values built this great nation in this state and on a planet and those uh, of the greatest nation on the planet, and those same values will persevere us 
as well. And that's the same way here. You know, we, uh, we faced riots and mobs and people spitting on us and threatening us and throwing trash on us from the balcony and um, uh, yelling and screaming, trying to get into the hall and everything else, following us into bathrooms, yelling at us at urinals uh, to get us to pass legislation that was against our, our, our basic conservative beliefs. And I said no to anarchists and Marxists at the Capitol, and I will not give in to people here locally that violate my conservative principles. Again, Representative Tim Rudd, and now headed to Representative Mike Sparks. Yeah. Uh, so what have you seen this legislative session that, uh, I don't know, raised your eyebrows or, or made you think more about any particular bill? Well, I've probably used profanity more this year than I ever have, and sorry to disappoint my late mother who passed because um, she was a very stickler for, for language. But uh, the General Assembly will make, you, make a man want to cuss, Scott, to be honest with you. It's really controlled by lobbyists and big money. Let's just be straight up and blunt about it. Um, I'm reminded of a quote by Albert Einstein. He said, we can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created them. Um, you know, being a former county commissioner and being on this murder planning committee for almost 10 years, uh, I got to sit beside Bob Spivey. You know, Bob was a developer. Bob was a brilliant businessman, brilliant. But also got to sit under the under um, the mayor, Nancy Allen's leadership. Now, Nancy was a Democrat, okay? I'm a Republican. But I came to respect Nancy because she stood up to to – to increase in cost. She stood up to the former sheriff. She stood up to the school superintendent. And looking back, Nancy was a fiscal conservative, if you go back and look. Um, but I remember bringing up an idea about recycling, an ad hoc committee, to study what's going on with our convenience centers, to look at how they could be more efficient. Well, she put it together. You know, if I was the mayor, if I was Greg Harris, if I was Jeff Phillips, if I was Pettis Reed, if I was Phil Wilson, I'd create an ad hoc committee to look at just the cost of the county. We spend about 70% of the county's budget is education, Scott. You know, I got my electric bill down to $82, $82. Uh, yeah, I've wrote three books. My latest is called How to Do More with Less During Tough Times. I watched my World War II father stretch a dollar and make a dollar off something that you wouldn't think you'd make money on. But he saved everything. I mean, it'd be a scrap piece of metal. He saved it. It took me two years to clean his property, his house out. But here's what we've got, Scott. We've got a crisis on our hands. If folks don't see this as a crisis, wake up, wake up, wake up. The next school is $150 million, Scott. $150. It was $108 million just, just to six build months a school. Ago. Yeah. Here in Rutherford County. Yeah, this is a crisis. And no one's seen, look, where's Scott Broden at? This is a crisis, Scott. Scott, cover this issue. People need to cover what's going on. I had a girl at, at Rotary about two months ago. She's with Better Business Bureau. I think her first, I think it was, last name was DeBerry, because that caught my attention, because of uh, John DeBerry. And they asked me to do the prayer. So I'll usually ask somebody at the table, I'll say, you have any prayer requests? Anything you want me, anything on your mind? You know, somebody may have a father battling cancer, or something in a nursing home, or something on their mind. The little, the little girl, little 22-year-old girl, she said, pray that my husband and I can find a home. Pray that we can find a home. And I thought, man, that's peculiar. You know, I bought my first house at 22. But I don't know if I was praying to buy a home. And It used to be a lot easier to buy a home, and the prices were affordable. Well, let's go back to, to what Albert Einstein said. You can't solve problems by using the same thinking when you created them. We can't continue 
to tax and tax and tax and tax. All this stuff the governor's doing, the legislature's doing, sounds great. It sounds awesome. It's awesome to sit up here on WGNS and brag about we've spent $1 billion since 2011 on teacher raises. We've invested in infrastructure. We've invested in SROs. But the bottom line is this is all unsustainable. You don't have to have an economics degree like Charlie Baum does to understand this stuff. It's to- You can't run a business this way. You couldn't run a Home Depot or McDonald's this way. Um, Sean Miller with the yard sale couldn't run his business this way. you got to study your costs. I would put together a committee, and I'd make it up of diverse people, engineers, entrepreneurs, maybe a home builder, maybe a realtor, maybe someone on the school board. Maybe someone like Pettis Reed that's been on the county commission for a number of years. Uh, an Alan McAdoo who's been up there oh, 40 years, I guess. Since 78. Yes. I would pull these people together and seek wise counsel. Proverbs says there's wisdom to the counselors. Here's what really pisses me off about the Tennessee General Assembly. When I see taxpayer-funded lobbyists, Think about this, Scott. Here's the web that's been woven. Now, Rutherford County has lobbyists of their own, right? Yeah, when government's hiring. of them, I believe. But when government is hiring lobbyists to go raise taxes, something's wrong with us as a society. Because what are we doing up there? We might as well just go home, let the lobbyists control everything. Do a lot of counties have lobbyists that they pay? I, I don't know. That'd be something that an investigative reporter really, should go look know. at. I know. I know. Uh, like Murfreesboro's had one lobbyist for a long time to help them uh, deal with things in public relations. I don't know about counties, and I don't know how widespread it is. But here, um, here, here's a good example. You know the bill that I've been running for years. It froze the top officials' pay raises. The sheriff, the mayor. People think, man, you're crazy. Why would you run that bill? Well, why are we giving the top official making 175000 a $10,000 pay raise? Why does that happen? Well, you know who blocks me every year? Lobbyist. You know who pays for them? You do. You know how many investigative reporters have looked at that? Zero. Zero. Now, you could say, well, Mike, that was only $23 million that you would have saved the counties. It's only $23 million. My electric bill got down to $82. It's only 82 But look how much money I saved. Look how much money I save, we save with our business. I just sold a car I drove for two years, made a grand on it. That, that's just a grand, but I drove the car for free. You know, you can buy my book, by the way. It's on, it's on Amazon, How to Do More With Less by Mike Sparks. <laughs> We've got to learn to do more with less like our forefathers did. Joe Carr, I know Joe's listening. Craig Harris is listening. Pettis Reed's listening. Jeff Phillips listening. Put a committee together of folks like your Bob Spivey's, your Nancy Allen's, that can come to the table and study costs. I'm a school choice advocate. Let's encourage folks. If they want to skip a grade like my oldest boy did, that's one student you just saved. We've got to study our costs. I'm willing to come to the table. Representative Rudd's willing to come to the table. Let's bring Scott Walker to the table. You know what's what's really a shame about this whole situation is I don't even like getting involved in local matters. I'm at the state. I got more than enough to handle up there as you've seen on as you said on national and nightly news locally. I've been I've been kind of drug into this. What's kind of odd, you're talking about lobbyists. During this, uh, right prior to the uh, the vote in the Property and Planning Commission on the impact fee, um, I didn't. I, I was virtually approached by nobody except for about ten county commissioners from Murray County. My own county commissioners did not enter my office. The one that did never mentioned the impact fee. I uh, I met with the uh, the mayor, and both in my office and his, and and 
the impact fee was not a part of our discussions. It's like, here I'm the one member that's going to be voting on this. Even the lobbyists for the realtors and the home builders never talked to me. I remember when uh, Charlie Schneider walked in, who is the executive director of the state home builders. I've known Charlie for 15 years. He used to work for the state party when I was on the executive committee. When he walked in, I said, huh, he must work for the, the home builders. And then he sat down and introduced himself as executive director. I didn't even know. They didn't even come to me. Uh, everybody says, well, who pressured you to vote the way you did? No one did. No one talked to me. I was like invisible. Even Scott Sapicki, the uh, state rep, a friend of mine from Murray County that carried the bill, he never even came into my office to discuss writing the bill and the legislation. It's like uh, up until the week of the vote when I got texted and emailed from about four commissioners, and some county employees in support of the impact fee, no one contacted me. Uh, we, we had a resolution passed, but the actual bill, the writing of the bill, the promoting of the bill, I was bypassed. And uh, what we need is our leaders to come together and stop attacking us and each other and come together and provide some real mature leadership. And like Mike said, bring us together at the table so we can sit down and reach out and work together on these things. Rather than lashing out, we need to work together. Again, with us this morning, Representatives Mike Sparks and Tim Rudd. Time right now, 9.01. You're listening to WGNS Murfreesboro. Local news comes your way next.